Good afternoon. My name is Rosa Nguyen. I'm an artist and a maker. I make. I work primarily with ceramics, but now with glass and other mediums, including organic matter. I, in 2009, I was a successful applicant um, for the Shape of Things, and my aims were very clear at the time when I applied. Um, basically to make new work, extend uh, work that I had previously done in installation and display, particularly with a museum collection in France, and broaden my audience and my markets. So the uh, economic factor of my work was uh, a, a crucial ambition of mine to develop. But um, very uh, soon during my involvement um, with um, The Shape of Things, of course, I was fortunate to fit the criteria of being a British artist with a diverse cultural background. I uh, recognized that um, tradition, heritage, and um, my cultural diversity is really inherent and intrinsic to my work. And having um, almost two years since the project, um, um, now my, the exhibition at Bristol in Still Living was shown, I've had uh, a lot of time to reflect and maybe get a more holistic view of what um, all these things mean to me and um, how they are uh, reflected in my work and my practice. Um, and I'd like to um, well highlight some of um, these um, the aspects um, in three projects. One um, in Japan, um, so uh, a transnational uh, dialogue. One in um, at home in France, and one at home in England. But just a bit of my uh, background, uh, I grew up um, in London. I was born in London, Earl's Court. Um, I was christened Song Ang, uh, Rosamonde, Nguyen Du Cui. Um, and um, I grew up in a micmash of cultural diversity. Um, I used the word micmash, which was the word my mother always used. And it's only when I uh, met my... Um, my partner, a full-blooded British man, that he said, what does micmash mean? I do, do not mean mishmash. And, and that reflects very much um, the whole sort of mixture and um, infusion um, that um, my, myself um, 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 has uh, been permeated through language, we're at home, we spoke French and English. My father spoke Vietnamese, which we did not understand. Um, at school, I spoke French. I went to French school in London. In the playground, um, Arabic, um, Spanish, Cambodian, uh, Vietnamese, English, French was spoken. Um, I dream in French and English. I think in French and English. I count in French. Anyway... Some, some of the, the, in terms of heritage, um, I feel very 
uh, closely um, bound to um, the heritage, so to transmit it through my grandmother's um, very direct um, experience I had with my French grandmother. This is a picture of her with me on my uh, great-grandmother's ceramic um, animals and gnomes, which um, is now part of a small municipal garden on the outskirts of Paris. And uh, she, she imbued me with the love for making, cooking, singing, yeah, just enjoying life through um, activities, creative activities. And um, on the right is my Vietnamese grandmother, who I didn't know because um, we, we were separated by the war. I was born in, in the 60s, um, and my father is from um, Hanoi, so they were part of um, the communist uh, side of uh, the Vietnam War. And, um, but I, I learned about her, and this really created a lot of impressions for me through my father's stories. Um, she was a medium for um, the community, and apparently she would um, take out of the cupboard a sword and a costume, and uh, people from the surrounding villages would come and speak to their ancestors through her, so she would take on uh, the ancestors. Um, and this reflects very much a very strong um, element of um, Vietnamese culture is this ancestral worship, which reflects, I think, a culture that is, um, uh, you know, very, very aware and um, uh, connected to tradition and heritage. Um, but all this mishmash of uh, cultural diversity, I, I suppose, has um, given me a very sort of, certainly when I was younger, fragmented um, image or, or understanding of myself. And I think that's why I um, have looked um, towards other cultures, particularly Asian cultures, um, towards parts of the puzzle. To, to, to understanding um, the bigger picture, in a way, of myself. And um, in my 20s, I, uh, I travelled throughout India and felt at home and was inspired mainly by the complete uh, connection between um, everyday life and spiritual life. Um, and Japan um, has been um, a very um, influential culture to me, where I've found myself in lots of ways. This was in uh, Tokyo in 2005, actually in 2004. I went on um, British Crafts Council research trip to Japan, to look at, at um, the art of ikebana, which is the art of flower arranging. And what drew me to this was that it had, it was steeped in symbolic meaning, it was a signifying art that brought together um, aspects of spirituality, um, because it comes from a Buddhist tradition of offering um, in temples. It was the monks eventually, uh, initially that started it. Um, and 
that it was also um, brought into the homes, into the art forms, yes, and that it was a practice as well as um, a form of display. When I um, went to Japan, it was really at a time where I keep thinking of that song, I think I'm turning Japanese, because for in um, 2000, I, I, I trained as a shiatsu practitioner, which is a form of acupressure um, within the context of Japanese Zen. So I did three years of training and that. And um, I also became uh, very involved in uh, Aikido, which is a Japanese form of martial art. And both these practices, for me, were um, encompassed the, the, the business of making art, but with one soul and one um, sort of, I suppose, sp spiritual, um, a sort of spiritual unification in, in the practice of doing things. Um, and this followed, um, when I was there in 2004, I went to research Ikebana and I met this wonderful um, artist called Chizen Furukawa, who came from a background of, um, of um, Ikebana, but who had broken with the, tra the tradition of the flower arranging, which is ve a vessel and a flower. Um, and set in, in a space called the tokonoma, sort of spiritual space. And she was making these extraordinary sculptures with just bamboo and reed elements. Um, I suppose, you know, Andy Goldsworthy had definitely, you know, seen this sort of work. She was making work with nature that was far surpassed even his work, I felt. And anyway, we had a conversation, and a conversation through an interpreter, and we just felt uh, a real mutual, well, understanding around making, using key energy, um, which is uh, something I learned about in, t in, in my shiatsu practice, which could be translated as universal energy, and also challenging a category, <laughs> being pinhole, uh, pigeonholed in a certain type of, of uh, tradition. And we decided to make a collaboration, and um, which evolved over faxes, actually, which was really funny, because when I went to Japan, I thought, oh, they're going to be all technologyed up, and they'll have computers, and, you know, I'm going to have to get all of this. And the first thing she asked me was, do I have a fax machine? And I had to rush out to Argos and, and buy a fax. Anyway, but what, what we did do is present a dialogue between the vessel, which was my part of, of the installation, and her part was the, uh, the material on display um, to create, um, I call it a spatial drawing, um, but it was inter interlinking um, vessel forms with um, willow. And very much when, when I brought all the pieces to Japan, she hadn't seen them. She, a little bit, I felt like, well, I imagine my grandmother did. Her process was to look at them 
and then tap into something to do with the energy of a plant and decided I know exactly where and what plant, what plant I'm going to use and where I'm going to find it and it's in this certain tree over across the motorway somewhere in Tokyo and she had some, she sent someone off to cut some parts and um, we made the work with this. So this was um, um, the experience of um, showing in Japan was uh, a very um, <coughs> liberating one and I think um, for me part of un unpicking or well putting a puzzle to the picture is to be able to be myself more in in a different place. And this project followed in 2008 in uh, the southwest of France on, uh, well, on home ground. So a place where I am connected in terms of territory and land, although I've never lived for a long time in France. And what I wanted to do, I, I met, um, sorry, I'll, I'll go back. On, on the left is a, a little place called Benk, and it is a small village in southwest of France, and it's completely agricultural, and it's what we call La Vieille France. It still has very old traditions, um, and it's almost like time has stopped, and the people there are almost very stuck in their ways. Um, but very connected to the land. It's also an area of traditionally um, ceramic faïencerie, so painting on ceramic. And a few years back, I bought a house there with a piece of land, quite a big piece of land. And we're not quite sure, me and my partner, not quite sure why we did that. Um, but I feel it's because I needed to almost regain ownership through land. It sounds terrible, it's like land owning, but I needed a piece of my land to feel more connected to it. Um, anyway, we, we've been renovating a house, but during that time I met, um, I encountered a fantastic couple who have a museum, it's a private museum, who have this collection of ceramic uh, faïencerie from around the region and um, it's a private uh, enterprise they're only open three months of the year but what they're doing is they invite every year an artist it's under but they are trying to connect people to their heritage from the local area and reconnect the industry to the heritage because there is an industry there that is actually recreating old motifs that are found in the museum, but of very, very bad quality, and it is a dying industry. Anyway, what I wanted to do, um, I was invited to make, um, a, as part of a resident artist, to make work there, and I, I, I used ceramics and the activity of cultivation and growth to um, make a piece of work that really engages with the idea of heritage and um, tradition 
but bringing it into a new language and a new world. Um, on the left, I created uh, Petite Terre, which means little worlds, but also little earth. And um, this, this particular installation was called Floating Worlds. and was very much about the transient of culture through um, the objects. And on the right, I planted um, cabbages and uh, grass in um, 19th century lids of duck fat jars. So the museum um, curators really let me engage with objects of heritage in such an extraordinary way um, by just choosing what I wanted, handling it, and um, yeah, putting living elements into the objects. So, still living, the, the Shape of Things project was at Bristol Museum and Art Gallery. It was exciting because I was working again with museum objects, but the constraints were very different because I wasn't allowed to touch any of the objects. What I did do was I was inspired by uh, a Japanese curator who talked about the museum object losing its sense and identity being taken out of the flow of life. Basically, most of it downstairs in cupboards and some of it put it in, in cabinets. And what I wanted to do is bring it back into the flow of life through installation. I used ideas of ancestral heritage and display. This is uh, my ancestors in uh, my cousin's house. It's our altar. And so the idea of the altar of worship to uh, develop my, my ideas. I also uh, engage with the idea of glass in a poetical way. Glass in museum being a, a, a predominant um, uh, material. Uh, which can um, enhance what we see, but also really cover and um, mis misinterpret maybe um, um, the, the, the narrative of the objects that we're presented with. And what I did do is just select from different uh, collections because I wanted to break down the categories of uh, the sort of museolo museological, you know, code of 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 impermanence and of permanence and categories, and and mix both the organic and in inorganic um, elements that are found in a museum. On the left, well. On, on the right are some uh, gravy boats, which I, I um, chose. I mean, I had a very intuitive choosing of the object. And on the left are some birds from the Natural History Collection, which um, when I saw them down in, in the, um, the vaults where they were kept, um, just felt a very sort of emotional impact to them. Um, these are some of the sketches um, that in response to some of the objects that I was, had, had picked. On the right is a pole drawing of a garden design, and on the left, again, a gravy boat. And I eventually um, found a way of um, juxtaposing or bringing in inorganic elements with organic elements. Um, this was a piece called Fleet, 
but the, the work that I was doing, using glass but also the image of the screen, um, in a way was, um, you know, referred to our maybe not whole view and understanding of what we're being presented with. This is called Altar and um, the glass pieces um, were made, were totally a new work. Um, I had never made glass work and basically I referred very much or used the idea of the altar to talk about objects coming back to life. Um, just my uh, last slide is these were the glass pieces um, taken out of context um, from um, the installation It's Still, uh, still Living. Um, and I really feel that through, through the creation of the objects in Still Living that I, I had really engaged with ideas of heritage and my own culture um, and created this in the narrative of the installation. But now some of these works are out and it's interesting, they're now going to go in another collection because they've been, they've been bought, thankfully, but they're going into another collection, which is um, British Studio Pottery. <laughs> and and, and um, it's great. I can be everything and nothing. <laughs> and I can fit in because I think of this diversity, fit in everywhere. Okay, thank you.